0: Welcome back to the show. This is Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. Hello everyone and thank you for stopping by. Today's guest is Lynn Murphy. She runs a company that specifically targets people looking to use personality assessment tests to better make their workplace environment cohesive. It's called the DISC Profile Assessment and it stands for Dominance, Influence, Steadiness, and Conscientiousness. Say that 10 times fast. You're going to absolutely be thrilled by the amount of knowledge someone can gain about themselves simply by taking this DISC profile test. I did it, I was loving what I found out about myself, it really, really, really helped me see what some of the intricacies of my personality were. So if one of the changes you're looking to make this year is finding out more about why you act a certain way that you do, and what your traits are within your personality that cause you to work well with others and not maybe have conversations as good with other people, then you're going to enjoy this episode, five, four, three, two, one, it's showtime.
1: I do customized workshops and one of the tools that I use to help people communicate better and work better in teams, develop their leadership skills is called the DISC Profile, D-I-S-C. And it stands for the four different quadrants of behavioral styles. It's based on observable behavior so that you can look at somebody and get an idea of how they operate. for instance, well, I guess I better give more of the benefits first where I go into the different styles. <laughs> it's, 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 I see. I just want to jump right into this, but it's how people approach their work and how they um, operate in their environment, what their natural behavioral tendencies are, and once you can understand this model and can see how this can apply, you know, to to personal life and to the work life you get so many benefits out of using this. You start to develop your own self-awareness about how you operate. So instead of um, being clueless about how you're operating with somebody else, how you're interacting with a client or a family member or, you know, someone that you just met, you can start picking up clues about their style, but you also know what your style is and you can can be more aware of what you're doing. It, it really helps them, helps people connect better with other people. It, it you is know, a communication.
2: Go ahead, Tiffany. No, no, no. no I'm you, you were, yeah, you, you were, you know, it, uh, because well, I feel like the listener might be out there thinking, okay, I you know, I heard like a personality type assessment, and immediately my brain jumps over to that Myers Briggs, which we know is extremely unscientific. Data has come out on that multiple times, and so for those people out there trying to equate this to something that they're more familiar with. Myers Briggs is the only one that comes to mind. Uh, you know, what what are what would be some of the similarities and differentiations that uh would be most important for people to understand and what it is you do versus what it is what is something they might be more familiar with?
1: Well I am not an expert on Myers Briggs. I did investigate it several years ago and decided to go with Disk instead of with Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs is from what I understand and I may be wrong on this, but it's more of an internal um, assessment, you know, how more of a psychological type of assessment. DISC is more of an outward behavior. It's kind of a default behavior. And to me, working with the teams that I work with, DISC is so much easier to understand. I mean, even though I looked at Myers-Briggs years ago, still people say, well, I'm a, you know, whatever the numbers are. And I, it takes me so long to understand that. With DISC, it's really easy to grasp. You can grasp it in a short period of time and then start applying it. So it's observable behavior versus the more psychological behavior. And, and when you're talking about Myers-Briggs not being uh, validated, I don't know what your can't remember what your word was, but the the publisher uh, Wiley Publishing is the company that owns this particular DISC assessment, and they have nerds on staff, you know, and they're validating this all the time. This assessment has been in use since the 1970s, and they keep revalidating and revalidating. So I I can bore you to death, you know, with a study about how
2: this has all been validated and all those statistics, but we're not going to do that today, are we, Jesse? No need to, because I think once people get to understand what, DISC is, and, you know, I mean it's, it's, you know, there, it's an acronym, and we're going to have you go into that. We could do that now so that people fully understand, you know, I mean, the benefits are clearly there as far as how people work together, how people communicate, how people even understand their, themselves in all of these situations because then there might be an undercurrent, like, well, why do I do it this way, or what, what's affecting my communication with this person when you've taken this test? And for you, when you turn it into an entire corporation taking this test, all of a sudden people say, ah, you know, these are some of the dynamics at play here. And so I pulled up my test, and I see dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness, so that's ten times fast. Um, It it really does cover the gambit on this, doesn't it? Well, it really does. And the
1: beauty about it is that it's not – you're not just pegged in one of those four styles. As you see in your report, and if others decide to purchase this program, they'll see on their report – that you can be anywhere within this circumflex. It's not just on the outside edge of the circle, but anywhere within this circle. So everybody is a mix of some of the four styles. And you're mixed more predominantly of two styles, of the D and the I, but you still have a little bit in yours of the S and the C. It's just not as much. It's not as predominant. But we all have a little bit of each, and then it depends on how much... Uh, you know, where your predominant style is or your two predominant styles that color where you operate most of the time. And, and yeah, one of that's the things good. that the, the we need to remember is that you can always flex. You know, you can always change your style, adapt your style. Once you understand it and you start understanding other people's styles, you can adapt that so that, let's say you're in a sales position and someone comes in, you can assess what their style is and decide how to approach them. So you can kind of build that instant rapport with them. You know how people like people who are like them? We hear that all the time, right? And if you if you start, it's not just like mirroring. I think you had used the term before about mirroring. It's not exactly like that, but you start giving them, do they like a lot of detail? Are they more of a people person? That type of thing. How do you approach them so that you can Work together more effectively, or or influence them if that's what you're trying to do, convince them of the project that you want to do your way, or how this project needs to be done. All those things that you can tune into um, to get more of what you want.
2: Right, and that's and that and that's what I mean. It comes down to I mean this this entire season you know entitled today is the day to start making that change, and I'm really leaning heavily towards you know, the communication aspect because I see it failing so much in society right now. There's this constant argumentative nature where everybody needs to be right and won't listen to other people's opinions or beliefs or attitudes like this. just don't want to hear it. You know, the moment you disagree with me, I shut you down. And With this, this allows people to see get an in-depth understanding about why somebody reacts the way they do. I mean, if you take time, really take time when you meet someone, no matter – how much their political views or religious views or whatever whatever view you wanted to use as a reference, no matter how different it is than yours, there's going to be some similarity there. There's going to be something you guys can agree with. Maybe you all both like rock climbing or something to that nature. So, with this test, when people are taking it and they, they're they're coming up with this data, um, let's discuss the four wants because I think I've mentioned dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness so far. You know, when when people take these. Uh, you know, Before we get too much further, let's do a brief little description of each of them so that the audience has an understanding of what we're going to be referencing when it comes to my report for the rest of this conversation. Okay, Jesse, I'm happy
1: to do that. Thank you. So if you take any group of people
2: and you divide them
1: into two groups, let's say one is, is very active and outgoing, they're fast-paced, they're outspoken, they're assertive, dynamic, bold, you kind of picture that group of people. And the other group of people is more thoughtful, more more internal. They're quieter, they're more moderately paced, very methodical, you know, calm, careful type of people. So that would be one of the splits from that active and outgoing to the thoughtful and internal. And then if we split the group again, if we split them into either people-focused, so you know people who are the warm and accepting and they empathize, and they're very accepting, very agreeable, receptive to what you have to say. They're good listeners. Or they're people, if you go on the other side of this continuum, that are task-focused, data-focused. They're logical. They question what's going on. They're very skeptical about things. but very objective, and they're willing to challenge what's going on. So if you think of those different splits, if you combine those who are active, with those who are very task-focused. You get the dominant, the Ds. Then if you take that active group, combine them with the people focus, that's where you get the I's, the influence. And these are your two dominant ones, Jesse, the Ds and the I's. So very active. One, the Ds are task-focused. The other, the I's are people-focused. And then if we go down to the people who are more thoughtful and more moderately paced, if you combine them with the people-focused, you get the S's, the steadiness. So they're, they're more quiet and they're more people-focused. Then if you take that, that more thoughtful group and combine them with the ones who are task-focused, you get the ones who are conscientious, the C's. And let me go through each one of these, just give you a couple characteristics. Well, I'll give you more than a couple, but some characteristics of each of these styles to kind of help you get the picture in your mind of what these people look like, feel like, operate like. So the Ds, remember they were the the active and outgoing, and they were the task-focused. So these are the people who are very direct, they're decisive, demanding. They want results, and they want them right now. Now, they're willing to question the status quo, and they make their own rules, you know, to them, the end the means. They're very much self-starters. They will take charge, get things done. Once things are done, they go on to the next thing. Now, they're also very impatient, especially if they think someone's incompetent or if they're wasting <laughs> their time. They don't want anything to do with that. i blunt to the point. And these people are risk takers. They're daring. They're they're more competitive, and people often think that they're insensitive. <laughs> they think, oh, you know, you, are you starting to picture the person who's who's always is directing and driving? Um, uh, that, so they I'm
2: starting to see a little bit more of me in dominance than I prefer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's a good thing. It, it has its drawbacks. All of these have their drawbacks, but all of them have their advantages. So we we just have to learn what each style is and how we work with it. So if we go to the I style, which is the influencing, those are the people who are active, but they're more people-focused. They're not as task-focused as the deep. So people-focused. These are the people who are enthusiastic. They they like the spotlight. They like to make a favorable impression. They're outgoing. They're the networkers. You know, They walk into a room. And by the time they're out, they've got everybody's business card, they know everybody, and they're making connections. And Jesse, you're a networker too. I I know that. Um, Very creative people. Optimistic. You know, just, just always kind of high on life. Talkative, great communicators. And they like to work in groups. The Ds more like to work alone, but the I's like to work in groups. So they're very good team players. One of the issues with the eyes is that because they have so much going on and they're all those shiny objects, you know, that, that syndrome, that they get overcommitted. And frequently, eyes will lack follow-through. They're going to inspire you to take on a project and then they go on to the next project and leave somebody else to, to finish it off. So any of that's it?
2: Yep, yep. I mean, as you said these words, I'm like, yes, I am a D and an I. So <laughs> I do like the bright, new, shiny object. I get excited about something for, you know, a couple weeks, and then I'm like, I sort of look around, like, is there someone else who can take it from here? Because I've pretty much set up the entire infrastructure. All you have to do is see it to completion. I can go do something else now. Perfect example. Absolute perfect
1: example of that, Jesse. Yep, that says it. So let's let's go into the SSN. The S's are the ones who are more moderately paced, more calm, and have the people focus. So these are the people who, This steadiness is what the S stands for. So these are the people who are the good listeners. They can keep your confidences. They love helping other people. They're they're warm. They're empathetic. They're the team players. But now they're, you know, even though the I's are team players, the S's are more of themselves. They don't want to lead the team. They just want to be a valued member of the team. And they are so loyal. They will stay with something forever. They're very predictable. They are very patient. You know, the Ds, which is the opposite side of the, the circle, These are not patient. Ss seem to have intimate patience most of the time. And they love harmony. They love things to be the same, very stable. They're very slow to change. They want a clear system, they want to know the parameters, and they're absolutely willing to operate within those parameters, whereas if you remember the D's are kind of doing it their own way and questioning the status quo, but the S's like that, they, they feel more comfortable if they know what the parameters are and they can stay in it. And they like to work behind the scenes. They also like to avoid conflict because they like that harmony, you know, they're, they're the people people. And one thing about S's is that they can take a long time to make up their mind or get something done. So they appear to be procrastinators. Part of it may be that they just want to take time to look through everything and they're moving a little more slowly than the I's and the D's do. So people can look at them and think that they're procrastinating. And then the last group is the C's, the conscientious. And they're the ones who are at that more moderate pace, like the S's. But they're more task-focused and data-focused, like the Ds are. So to them, quality and accuracy are utmost importance. They have to, you know, you hear that somebody's going to analyze something to death, you know, analysis paralysis. Those are your Cs because they, they want to make sure that every detail is covered and that everything is absolutely correct. But they have a great mind for thinking through things very clearly, and and behaving according to the rules. You know, the rules are there for a reason. Why wouldn't they behave that way? And you know, they like the S's, like the, the standards, the rules, and the policies, and they like to work within them. So they're very reliable and very trustworthy. They plan ahead, you know, because we've got to make sure that this is going to go right. They're very diplomatic. And they like to work alone. They're very private people. They don't like, you know, the eyes are more likely to, to be out there talking about their life and sharing things, as I know you did today on Facebook. I saw your post. You know, you you want people to to know you and to understand you, and, and you're sharing things that are helpful to them. The seeds are going to be very, very reserved. You're not going to know about them unless you're really close to them and they trust you. And then then they're more willing to share things with you. But you're not going to hear about it at work. You won't hear about their weekend and their pets and their vacations and all that kind of stuff. So those are the four styles. D, D, I, I, S, and C. D, I, S, and C. And as I said, you know, some people are more, have more of one style and a smaller amount of another style. Other people, as you will see, and, and people will see when they get their reports, if you're... Kind of in the center of this circle, you pick up more of the – all four of the styles. If you're kind of out to the edge, you're more committed to that particular style or the priorities of that
2: particular style. Stepping in the that, go ahead. Please, no, it no, finish your thought. Yeah, no, finish your thought because, I, because then I'm going to motivate this uh, into a direction that I think the listeners will enjoy. Okay, I was just going to say when they get the report
1: – They'll see where their dot shows up in a circle, and it'll show them how committed they are to certain priorities and how much of each of these others are. And all that means is how much they can flex, how easily they can flex into one of the other styles, which we'll, we'll
2: talk about later. But okay. What I was thinking is that, you know, I, I, listening to all that, immediately my brain starts to figure out where I fall within the DISC circle. I mean, obviously, that everybody wants to put themselves into – what they're hearing about, and this is fascinating. So, for the listeners out there who've done the same thing I just did and trying to say, well, do I fall dominant, influential, steadiness, conscientious? Uh, one of the ways I think would help them figure out uh, more of a broader scope of what this covers is for us to discuss are certain career paths, are certain job descriptions more geared towards certain people who fall within one of those? Or can a teacher or a scientist or an accountant be in, you know, fall anywhere within the circle and, 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 and hold fast to one more than the other. Or, you know, you see what I'm saying here? Cause like in that head, I'm I like, absolutely. Oh, wow. You know, with steadiness, there's, you were talking about even temper, uh, even tempered and um, like uh, patient. And I'm like, Oh, well, that sounds like a teacher, but it doesn't have to be a teacher. So uh, are there certain careers that fall within stuff? If somebody takes this, and they're 23 and they're trying to change their minds, or they're 37 and they want to change careers, could they take this and have a better understanding of where they should start to move their life path? They absolutely
1: can, and, and it wouldn't necessarily be just the job itself. There could be nuances within that job, but they need to understand what is stressful for them and what motivates them. And they, when they get their report, they will see that those things are listed, and I, I'm sure you've looked at those. You know, what is it that that – gives you some juice, you know, so that you can go to work every morning and go, oh, I love doing this. Now, for some people, for instance, if you mentioned an accountant or a CPA or a bookkeeper or someone like that, that person, if they're more C in there, they're more likely to be able to dig into those details and be happy doing that. They like that accuracy. They want to be sure that everything is correct. So they're going to be able to do that job more easily than someone who is an I. And I I would never say that an I couldn't do that job. But the I is going to probably be more stressed trying to do that job than an I would be. And then if we take someone who's in the public eye, someone who's on stage all the time, or um, sales, marketing, that type of thing, probably a person who is more toward the I side or the IS side, where they're people-focused, they're going to be more comfortable being out in front of a group. You know, the, the person who's wanting to get all the details right is happy, like the C is, you know, is happy to sit there in the cube all day and work on those things, and I would be very stressed doing that. But if you take a C and put them on stage and say, go sell this, or go sell this idea, or go influence these people to do this, and get out there and just you know, have a great time, they're not going to be comfortable doing that. It's not that they can't, but they won't be comfortable. So, you know, if you understand your style, which, like you said, this report gives you so much information, once you understand your style, you can start looking for the role within an organization or, you know, even if you're an entrepreneur, what that role is that you're most comfortable doing and look at the things that stress you. And avoid those. Find something that doesn't tick all those boxes. You, I'm, I'm looking at your report, so um, let me see your motivators. I don't have it right here. But
2: well, as you're looking through that, I, I just had a reference in my head about TED Talks. You get people from all walks of life, all different kinds of career sources. Getting up there talking about what it is that they've researched or what it is they're passionate with, and you can even today I listened to about six or seven different TED talks just uh, in my normal daily habits, and I can see where those kind of where certain people would have fallen on the the disc circle because some were much more comfortable being up there, and even though they, a lot of them had scientific data and they had spreadsheets and pie charts and everything, some people were flowing through that, and more more or less just discussing what people were seeing, and then other people were basically just looking at the screen and reading off what people could see, and uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, you start to really notice this in people, and, and it's just now, you were saying this, I think, in our pre-interview, that you can meet someone and know exactly where, you know, for the most part, you, you have a very good idea of where they're going to locate themselves on the disc. and now I'm like, oh, I wonder how long it would take me to do that, and like, I did it this morning, so... <laughs>
1: Good for you, but <laughs> see, like you said on our preview, you know, you can't unring that bell. You start understanding this, and then you start using it, and you see the differences in people. And you think, yeah, they've got a lot of the the S or the C. You know, they don't like being out in front of people, or they're more the the uh, I or the D. You know, the the D doesn't mind being in front of people, but the I is the one who's really like really like to be out there. Um, the D's not afraid to do that. They just want it their way. They're not people-focused, so they're more likely to just tell you what to do and then <laughs> go off and and wait for you to do it or do it themselves. But I, I was looking at, you know, we were talking about motivators and stressors, and I was looking at some of your stressors, and one of your stressors is using a slow, systematic approach. <laughs> Does that seem to fit for you?
2: Yes, I am not. You know, I like. I I think one of those that you mentioned earlier was something about like uh, thinking ahead, making sure that they've they, that they've done a, a lot of problem resolution before they get into something. And I'm great at that. Like, take me camping, and no matter what <laughs> happens, I'm going to have the supply that we're going to need to make sure that we have a great time. But doing things like slow, methodically, like, you no, know, I I love. I, I was a bartender and a waiter for years. While I was doing everything else, I was doing, and one of the reasons I love that so much is because of the constant movement. I thrive on on movement, even when I go out and I hang out with people. I'm just all about movement. I can be amped up and excited Now put me down in a chair and tell me I need to take notes on something for an hour, and all of a sudden I get extremely drowsy and I start to not pay attention. Even now, um, one of the things I love doing whenever we're doing the phone call interviews is I like to pace pace back and forth in the studio. So rather than sitting in a chair – Talking into a microphone, I've got a headset on, and, I, and now I get to pace back and forth. And just that little bit of energy, that little bit of movement, keeps me focused. Yeah,
1: I can see that with you. When I look at your motivators, creating enthusiasm and momentum—I mean, I, I just see you doing that all the time—and developing new relationships, persuading others, initiating colorful projects—all these things on your motivators just fits you to a T. You know, so when when we were talking about looking at this from uh, career choices, if you're aware of this, and and people may be aware of a lot of this intuitively, but if you kind of got it down in black and white and you say, yes, this is me, and then you're conscious about looking for a position or a role within an organization that fits what you're really good at and what doesn't stress you out. That's the way that I would use it. Now I know a lot of organizations put all their new hires through this assessment. Everybody who gets hired takes one of these and then they can make sure that they've got them in a position that's not the wrong fit, you know, the square peg in the round hole kind of thing. Because what I've seen too is people who are in the wrong position can thrive within an organization once they, you know, somebody figures out that that's not the right fit for them. It's not that they're you know, a horrible employee. It's that they're just not in the right spot. So companies can use these, too, and, and a lot of them do. Fortune 500 companies, I can't remember the percentages. It's like 70% of the Fortune 500 companies use these assessments. Do
2: you have any stories or reference points in your head where you like, literally a company or people on an individualistic level taking this and being able to radically... Alter their communication style and the way they interact with their loved ones or their business associates, and you know, basically either save the company, save the marriage, I and mean, something amazing happened all because they had this information at their disposal. Well, I don't know if I've got anything as severe as saving the company or saving the marriage,
1: but you know, there are a couple of examples I've got that speak to less intense uh, situations than that. One group <laughs> I was uh, was doing a group of medical doctors and. Um, on the break, a woman came up to me and, and said, because everybody had taken a disc assessment, and she said, to I think you saved my marriage last night. And I said, oh, really? What, what was this about? And she said, well, my husband and I got into an argument. And she said, he was saying to me, well, you know, why why aren't we talking about this? Why are you just saying just do it this way? You know, I've got a different idea about how I should do that. And she said, Wait a minute. She pulled out her report and she said, but this is me. I'm a high D and I just you know, I don't have time for all that. I just want to tell people what to do. And she said, we really started talking about that and realized that her husband was more of an S or a C and she said, you know, it gave us a place to talk about this and not make each other wrong. So, so you know, what a beautiful thing that this was just a minor blow-up that they'd had, but to walk away from this saying, okay, it's different styles, but we're not you're not wrong. I'm not the bad guy, you're not the bad guy. And she said it was just great to be able to have that conversation and then, you know, to base it on something objective. Here's this piece of paper, this is what I am. And another example, more from the workplace situation, one of my clients has used this profile, I've worked with them for almost ten years doing this throughout their organization, starting with the the C-level on down to the managers and supervisors and leadership. And one year we did uh, Lunch and Learn every month for 12 months, and we were doing something different related to the disk each month. And about, I think it was about March, I started the session by saying, how are you using this? What's going on? What kind of value are you getting out of this? And the the man who was in charge of the IT department. Now, if you can imagine, IT, probably he, he was on that task side. He was a D and a C, so very task focused, very much just get it done, don't bug me. <laughs> you know, I got work to do here. And the other side of this organization was it was a retirement community, so they were caring for people. So they had nursing people and support people. And he said he said, a couple of these managers from the support, the care side of the organization, would come in to him. And, of course, they were S's, you know, very caring, very supportive. Spending, you know, think about people who are spending all their time taking care of their people. And, you know, they would worked their way up in the organization, so they were managers but still had this style. And he said, you know, they come in. vacation are your kids okay gee that shirt looks really nice on you are you sure you're feeling all right and he'd say my god that's <laughs> driving me crazy you know just get to the point what is it that you want and he said there was tension between us because i just wanted to get to the point they wanted to be caring which is what they always do and he said we would have these this tension between us and he said now we're all in this room we've been talking about this for three months and he just now, you know, some, somebody comes in and says, hi, Kim, how are you doing? And I say, okay, you have one question, and then you've got to tell me what you want. <laughs> and okay. so they were accommodating each other, and they were understanding that nothing was wrong. The support people weren't idiots. They were time wasters. And he wasn't this harsh, nasty individual. So this helps people understand that different is just different. It's not wrong. And it it can help with conflict in an organization, conflict at home, you know, like that example with a doctor. Um, So many ways that it just helps people kind of take a deep breath and relax and say, okay, I see. You're doing your D thing or you're doing your I thing. (laughs) Come on, you know, let's let's figure out how to meet in the middle here.
2: I love this story. It is such a wonderful event. You know, I look... I'm one of these people. Like, I, one of my jobs, people will when they first see everyone. It's like you know they say what's up, and there's certain people who are like, how's your day? What you doing later on today? How you feeling? You don't look too good, or you look great? And then, and then like, it's the, it's the asking me how my day is going, or like what did you do today when I see my friends? They're like, oh how was your day? And I'm just like, I don't really pay attention. I mean I've got my schedule. I follow my schedule. I'm happy with my schedule. I don't really care how my day is going. It's task oriented throughout. I'm accomplishing what I need to, knowing my deadline is you know nine, ten o'clock to go to bed, and I can tell like I'll ask them what their how their day is going because I know that's the that's the social norm, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I really don't care I, I, tell me how your week went, tell me how your month went, tell me how that project finished up. Tell me about these big, powerful, impactful things that you've been putting a lot of your energy and time and focus into that I give me the juicy details about that I'll jump into that, and I'll start conversating. And that'll become an interesting topic. And I'll be fascinated by something that up until that moment, I didn't even, I never even thought about, but the little things I'm like, this, I'm like this guy where, uh, you know, where he just wants to give give me one question and then then tell me what you want, you know, because it's like this this small talk, it's not suiting me. You know, if anything, it's taking me out of one of my Pomodoros. Like I've only got a finite amount of time to accomplish this task. And as soon as you break my concentration, now I'm gonna to have to get reconcentrated. We all know, I mean, we we've read tons of things about social media and how it, it takes people's concentration. It can take a half hour to get it back. You gotta so people are distraction too. And all of that I say to lead up to this is, you know, is there a way that humans people who follow fall within the disk, is there a way that certain ones will interact with social media? You mentioned earlier about me sharing my Facebook posts and wanting people to know how I am. You know, like, I'll get really in-depth into that, but you'll never see me post, like, oh, man, this has the most amazing, you know, uh, you know, cauliflower rice and mushroom dish ever. Here's a picture of it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to post pictures of my food. I don't – to me, food is merely an energy source to get me to the next time I need to eat. I don't really care. If i take, I take all my food in as a pill if I could. Um, but I, You know, but I. I'm now my brain's like, oh, I see certain people who could fall within this dish. Like, how could people – start to recognize where someone falls within the disc based on their social media um, prowess or intimacy or just what they put out in the public sphere? Well,
1: interesting question. And first I want to thank you for not posting pictures of your food. <laughs> That's just driving me crazy. <laughs> right. i never posted a picture of my food. I, You know, who cares, right?
2: It's food. <laughs> I know you just went to a fancy restaurant. You know, I used to work at I used to work in a restaurant where people would take pictures of their eggs. It is eggs. It is not <laughs> special. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So we just have to have something to post, right? Well, and, and when I hear you saying that, that's more your D style coming out there. Because if you were to go farther toward the I or to the S, you'd probably have those people – who are posting pictures of their food? You know. <laughs> it's just everything, everything, everything. We've just got to be on social media all the time, everywhere we go, everything we do. That would be a high I, more of a pure I, not not so much the D that you have in there. When I hear you talking, your D is okay. Let's look at this high-level stuff. Don't talk about the day. Let's talk about you know what what the important things are, the big pictures, the goals. So I I don't know, Jesse, if you could. Figure out somebody that way because I'm pretty sure the C's are not posting much on social media. You probably won't find much about them there, and they certainly aren't posting pictures of the food. Uh, You know, (laughs) the C's C's are very private, and some of the S's are, you know, the S's that are close to the C, same kind of thing. I think they would be much more private about that. The, The S's are probably lurking on Facebook and reading things but not posting as much. They would be more interested in in what other people are doing, maybe commenting. Um, The Ds uh, probably don't have a lot of time for Facebook. Um, The Ds may do more on LinkedIn or um, maybe even Twitter, you know, just something out there real fast. But I don't know for sure if you can categorize people based on their their Facebook posts or their tweets or, or
2: their posts on LinkedIn. But it's really an interesting question. I can see people trying to act differently than their disc location via the use of social media because it, it can be such, you know, a faceless apparatus. I mean, if you friend everyone or you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you don't really know who's following you. Is it Facebook? You tend to know most of those people. It is a little bit more private I can see the Instagrams and the Twitters and the Snapchats. It's like you could wake outside of your normal self because you may not even know any of those people. I mean, how you act in front of 10,000 Twitter followers who don't even know who you are is going to be substantially different than how you act in front of 10,000 people on Facebook who do know who you are and maybe went to high school with you and things of that nature. So it's, it's interesting to just think about communication at that level because with the – change in the dynamics of our society via social media and smartphones and the Internet, there's just a lot of moving parts in the social dynamic that humans didn't have to deal with. You know, I mean, I could think back to just 10 years ago when the iPhone was invented, let alone 20 years ago when the Internet started to break out, or, you know, 30 years ago when, you know, mid-'80s where people were playing Pong and Coleco. So <laughs> you've been in this industry for so long. How have you seen – communication styles change as the introduction of technology into our social sphere has increased. Well, definitely what
1: you're saying is that we're doing so much more of that and of course I'm a lot older than you are but thinking about technology I remember when our first computers came out with memory, I mean the memory typewriter and then we had these um, like these old IBM cards, they were Mac cards and then you go into all this other stuff that's finally networked and so I've seen that change, and I remember the company I worked for when we got the mag cards and then the, there were those big disks, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those, and then started to network the, the computers around the company, so the, the big thing was, oh, we're going to be paperless, we're going to go paperless, everything's going to be electronic, and I don't think that's happened. I mean, we've got so much more communication now because we have all this electronic stuff, just think of the emails that you get all the time that we, we never got before. Um, so so that the quantity of communication has increased, but the quality has definitely decreased. And, you know, when you're just spewing things out, people, people aren't paying as much attention. If you're spewing out all these tweets or all these Facebook posts with every meal you eat, Precent people are just going to be flipping past that. They're not going to be paying attention to that, so you have to be strategic when you want to influence someone or you want to you know make a difference in something. How are you going to present yourself, and when are you going to present yourself that you know you want people to just say, "Oh yeah, him again, or do you want them to say, "Oh, that's Jeffy, let's see what he has to say." So I don't know if that relates to the styles, but I just see so much difference in the
2: quality of communication. Um, the quality yeah. certainly has gone up. Yeah, you know, I, I think back to the Facebook post you mentioned earlier, Lynn. You know, when I I'm a bit obsessed about bees. I think that what's happening with them within our ecological structure is devastating, and it could come back to haunt us greatly. And in fact, it's it's already beginning to haunt us. We're just not paying attention to it. But i'll mention them because I'll post a lot of things about the environment, and it gets the same five or ten people always like it, you know consistently, my buddy Gumby or somebody will always be the first one um whereas like today I post about my sobriety and you know how I'm trying to get out of my head and get more in tune in my body and then that that explodes and so I notice at least for me that people care more about how I'm doing and what's going on in my life and the challenges that I'm dealing with and and learning to overcome versus my opinions on the environment or bees or I don't post anything about politics. I don't think that that's healthy at all. I don't even follow anything about politics on Facebook because I don't want to unfollow somebody who overposts about politics. Um, So, yeah, I do notice that for me at least in my experience that when I'm talking more on a personal level, with my friends or uh, Instagram or, you know, more within whatever social media structure I decide. Um, The people, they enjoy interacting more when it's more personalized than whenever you're just posting up a story that you read on Elephant Journal and it's like, okay, great, yeah, I read that too. Or I don't care about that topic, which is why I don't follow Elephant Journal.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and that is so interesting that people are, you're finding people are concerned and more interested in you on the personal level. And I think, you know, as things are so crazy in the world right now, I think we need that more. And if you understand people's styles, I, and again, I don't know exactly how this fits on social media, but just, you know, understanding how to connect better with people and, and understanding who they are, I think that's going to help change things in the world if we're able to do that, you know, on a personal level, not just assume that somebody because he's the IT director and he doesn't ask me how I'm doing that day, that he's a bad person. You know, you start to understand just the differences in the style. Don't take the behavior as something that's negative. Just take it as, as that's what it is and start to understand and care about individuals for who they are. They don't have to be like you, but care about them for who they are. And I think that could make a big difference in this world if we started doing a little more of that
2: i i I couldn't agree more at this point in our society is we're we're coming we're teetering very close to the tipping point where people are going to start to rebel against the social media rebel against the fake news or just rebel with the way people communicate in general like i think i've said this in some of the other interviews within season two that It's going to become a point where restaurants are going to have cell phone-free zones or they're not going to let people just sit there and play on their phones. They're going to become cell phone-free areas or maybe they even jam the signal so that when you go into this area, you have no choice but to interact. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see how society as a whole decides to move forward with communication um, and technology since it is the most influential thing that we have ever had in our entire society. The only thing more important that's ever happened to the human species at least in my opinion, was the uh, – prob- the, the propagation is probably the wrong word. It's just the influence of the farming, the agricultural farming um, institution upon the human race, where we had stopped stop being hunter-gatherers and could start to actually create food where we were at, and then we could start to build a society. So we built the society to get us to this point, where now your society is no longer in its own little bubble. You no longer are in Columbus, Indiana, or in Daytona Beach, Florida. Now, all of a sudden, you can – hear somebody's opinion you know in bangladesh or south africa and you don't even have to leave your own bedroom uh, so it'll be very yeah. interesting to see where communication goes and, and for the audience members out here who are listening who are thinking wow this disc is absolutely phenomenal i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you how can you make it involved because i know there's people out there thinking i have got to learn more about this i have to be able to see these kind of results for myself. Let's discuss that because we're wrapping up here, and I'd be very disappointed if people could not reach out to you and find out more about this amazing, amazing skill that you have.
1: Well, the online assessment that I can send to them is really easy. And, Jesse, you said it was very quick to take this questionnaire. So if they want to contact me through your webpage for this program, they can send me their email address. I will send them an invoice and then electronically send them this questionnaire, 10 minutes at the most to answer that question, the, the different questions, and then they will immediately get their report, which they can download. It gives you all this information on your own style, you know, what motivates you, what stretches you, how you deal with conflict, how you deal with other people. It gives you the DISC model, and then it also tells you how you – respond and react to people with with the other styles. So, you know, you can take this and study it and, and start identifying who people are with different styles, and it tells you how to interact with these people better. You know, what motivates them, and how can you communicate with them better? How can you have a better relationship with them? When, when you get conflict with people in this style, what are some things you can do to make sure you get past that? You know, how do you connect with these people better? So um, the report, this is 27-page report that people get, immediately downloaded. And the cost of this is only $87. It, it's a huge report, great information, great value. As which like you expressed to me that you've got a lot of value out of it. So if they contact me through your website, send me an email. I will send them an invoice for $87. And then once they get their report, if they want a coaching session with me where I talk them through this and help them understand, or maybe they have an issue with someone at work or a friend or loved one, we can spend time on an hour coaching session to go through that and help them really lock in the concept so that they can integrate that into their life. So that would be a $200 charge, which again, I would send them the invoice and They just pay that with a credit card. I don't see the credit cards. It just goes into my system. So that would be how they could contact me. Or they can also look at what I do on my website, which uh, you will post on your um, page for the program. Oh, yeah. KeyInnovative.com. It's very easy, K-E-Y, KeyInnovative.com. You can find Key Innovative Business Solutions on Facebook, I'm um, on Lynn Murphy, on Twitter, all of those things. I've got all those accounts. So they can take a look at what I do there. If it's a, an organization that's interested in doing this, I provide workshops, and I also do leadership coaching around the as models. So if there's someone in Arizona, or I will travel. I've done that <laughs> too. So, you know, if you've got a team, management team or some sort of team within an organization or even the whole organization. We can do this and I can come to your location and do a half-day or a full-day training and really help people lock this in and figure out how to have better relationships and how to influence people better.
2: The That's assessment me. was it was extremely quick. I, I, I remember saying earlier that I wasn't even annoyed by the assessment before it was already over. And sometimes you get into these situations where you find yourself in a questionnaire or a survey, and you're like, okay, this is taking 30 minutes of my time. I did not know it was going to be this quick. And I think the key for me, and you've mentioned this whenever we talked uh, before when you sent it to me, was to not overthink the question and especially the answer. And I really tried to go with the unconscious mind, read the question, answer it. How How am I? How am I? Not how I want to be. How I'd like to be, or I, you know, really not even how I perceive myself. How am I? When people take that kind of mentality with it, they're going to see a much more accurate assessment, which thus means they're going to see a tremendous amount of data that actually gears them towards how they can develop their communication style so that they become more harmonious with everyone around them. It's fantastic. That's exactly. Well, yeah, and. and-
1: What I I said to you in the email when I sent you the assessment, and I will tell people, to our listeners, that decide whether you're taking this for use with personal or at work. And when I'm working with my corporate clients, I always tell people, answer this as you are at work, because chances are pretty good you're different at home or with your friends. So pick one or the other. Are you going to use this mostly with work situations? and talk talk about, answer the questions, like you said, very quickly, as you are at work. And I I want to emphasize again what you just said. I'm going to repeat it. Answer it as you are, not as you think you should be or as you really want to be or you're kind of fudging a little bit (laughs) because you think it will sound better. No, you'll get much better results out of this if you do it as you really are.
2: Well, last two questions we've got to wrap you up out of here. And before we do, I just want to take the time to, to thank you so much for being on the show. This assessment that you do for businesses and individuals, as it, it, for me, it, it just opened my mind to exactly how I communicate, how I act. It, it gave me some data that really allows me to look inside myself and say, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. This is just, how uh, my personality has developed, and this is, these are my strengths, and these are some of the things I could work on, which I've already begun to incorporate into my day-to-day life, and, and I've actually gained more patience with people because I found that I was not so much into the patient aspect. So thank you so much for coming on the show and showing me and my, my listeners out there um, this wonderful way to learn more about your communication style. Okay, I'm just really delighted to have,
1: first of all, to have met you a few weeks ago. And then to be on this show today, as you can tell, I, I'm a firm believer that this has so much value. I look forward to hearing from our listeners, and I'm I'm so glad that you found value in this. I knew you would, because you're the kind of person who's going to grab it by the tail and and run <laughs> with it. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for having me on your show, Dave. Really oh, excited it, about
2: it. It has been it has been marvelous. The last two questions. These are. Everything else, conversation style, absolutely love what we discussed. These are two of my favorite things to ask my guests. And so we'll start with the first one, as always. The show is called Everything's Interesting because I really do find everything interesting. I believe that everyone has a story to tell, and if it's done the right way, it can be fascinating and interesting to everyone. In your line of work, helping people understand their communication styles better, what do you find to be the most interesting thing about what you do?
1: Well, I, yeah, the most interesting and the thing that I love the most is when people have these aha moments, like the, the doctor I talked about where she's using this. And the, the teams that I worked with, there was one group that I worked with, a small group, and the director of that group was a very, very high D. And part of her report said that she had no patience for people's emotional issues. You know, it's like here's your tissue for your issue and come back when you quit crying. And and other people in the or in the group said they were laughing about this because she divulged that this was one of the things that she just was not good at. And a couple other people in the group said, Well, wait a minute, that's in our wheelhouse. We're happy to do that. If you've got a situation like that, let us handle that. We're happy to do that. You know, so to see those kinds of things where people are putting this to work already and making their environment better, having less stress at work, having a better time at work, more teamwork. You know, this is just a perfect example of that to me, that you start understanding each other and you make it work, and you know, everybody's happier. I love saying that. That
2: is awesome. That is Those aha moments where it clicks and all of a sudden people realize, oh, you're not this way, you're not mean or rude or nonchalant, this is just Where your personality is developed, let's start to figure out a way to integrate it. And so that leads to the perfect final question. The whole world can hear what you have to say. You're on stage. You're giving an amazing keynote address. and You have one final message that you want to tell to everyone who's listening, regardless of where they're at in the world. They can hear you. They understand you. They know what you're just waiting with bated breath to hear your final statement before they stand up and cheer and applause. What would that final message be? to our listeners and to the world out there as a whole about your understanding of what you do in communication.
1: Especially related to this disc profile, my final words are different isn't wrong, it's just different. And I think, you know, people could comprehend that, especially in our environment today that, you know, we all have differences, but making each other wrong doesn't really help. So if we can grasp that different isn't wrong it's just different i think that'll help us all move forward